Welcome to Sensible Chat. I'm Sensible Bobby. Thanks for joining me today. You know, fear and anxiety are emotions most of us have dealt with at some point in our lives when it comes to money. But have we really dealt with it or just pushed it out of our minds hoping it will go away? I tried that many times, but it never worked. So what does work? Mike Pumphrey is founder of EmpathicFinance.com. He specializes in emotionally focused financial coaching. His mission is to lead people from money anxiety to financial empowerment. So I wanted to pick his brain on the subject. I started by asking him for some tips on dealing with the feelings of financial anxiety. The first thing to do in a situation of financial anxiety is to figure out what is really happening. Because what I have found is that feelings of financial anxiety and actual financial distress, uh, you know, a challenging financial situation, are not always as tightly connected as we might think. Uh, For example, you know, in your family of origin, you may have grown up feeling like financial disaster was right around the corner. But you know, that that was my situation. But that wasn't necessarily the case. But in some ways, it doesn't matter because the feeling of disaster being around the corner is more powerful than than whatever is actually happening to you. And so the first thing that I would want for people to do is understand their situation and also understand where where the fear is. When I think of financial anxiety, I think of is it fear of the present or is it fear of the future? So for example, fear of the future is I am not going to be able to find a good paying job and, you know, my house is going to be, you know, we're going to be foreclosed, we're going to be homeless. I mean, you can, you can let those fears run rampant and that's a fear of something that's not happening now, but it's something that you fear could happen in the future. And when that is a situation that you're dealing with, when those are the feelings you're dealing with, I often rely on the kind of wisdom that I got from my own therapist, which is a kind of a a, a gut check as to the inevitability of your fears. So my therapist always says, do you know that this is true? Do you know that this is true? Do you, can you think of any other truths that this could be? Are there any other ways that this situation could play out? And how certain are you in the eventuality of this. And that could kind of short circuit your brain. And because when we're scared, we go to a narrative of certainty. Like I know this is going to happen. And that is not true. That's an assumption. That's fear talking. And so being aware of, oh, that is my fear talking. And I don't know that that's true is such a powerful way to take control of your emotions and let you be more in the present. Now, obviously, with fears in the present, that is, you know, that is a difficult thing in a different way because there's challenges that you're dealing with now. And the best way that I work to help with financial anxiety in the present is to look at the past to say, have you been in this situation or a similar one before? And what have you done in those similar situations I mean, you got through, you're here, you're on earth right now. So clearly you got past all of the difficult stuff you've done so far. And so what skills and what learning and what, how did you lean on your community? What did you do to get through the hard stuff 
to get where you are today? And how can you use those, those learnings, the lessons to be able to help you today? One of the biggest fears when thinking about financial security is losing your job. But believe it or not, there is life after job loss. Mike has some great words of wisdom about this. People are going to lose their jobs. You know, if you haven't happened, if it hasn't happened to you yet, I, I apologize. It's probably going to happen at some point. So knowing that what I have, what I did in my own life was to recognize that in advance and figure out what am I going to need to do when that happens? And so the biggest thing for me is to recognize that when I'm out of a job, I have an income problem. Like that, that may be, that, that's obvious. But if you think about it like that, you know, no income coming in, there's your problem. And so obviously there's the talk of looking for a new job and the resume and all that career coach stuff. But even before that, you got to live now. When, you, when that last paycheck hits, what are you going to do? And so for me, the, 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 the idea of having what I call an emergency fund is so powerful on so many different levels to just have some money in the bank. I mean, optimally, I always say six months worth of living expenses and we can debate, you know, less or more or that sort of thing. But, but for me, six months minimum, not six months of income, six months of living expenses, which could be less than what your income was. And that's good. But when you have that, even if you have one month or two months or certain, you know, if you get $2,000 in the bank, that is time. That is time that you have because no one's getting a job tomorrow. It takes time. I, I feel like I haven't ever in my working experience gotten a job in less than six months. Like this, the, the hiring process grinds on and it's slow. And so the more time you have, the more money you have in an emergency fund, the more time you have and the less panic you have as well. Because looking at your balance in your bank account going down each day because you don't have any income, oh my heavens, that is enough to just raise the anxiety level of everyone. And so knowing that that's going to happen, the more you have in there, the more time you have and the less anxiety you have to be able to say, I'm going to be okay. And that's the point of an emergency run, right? It's not about six months of anything. It's about being able to say to yourself, I'm going to be okay and feel it. Part of conquering your fear is changing your mindset, something that doesn't take any money to do. So here are some things to think about that might help reduce your financial anxiety. So I like to combat feelings with facts. Feelings are amorphous and you can't prove them. You can't disprove them. They're just this thing and we all have them and we can't control our feelings, but we can control our thoughts. And the way to combat thought and belief is with truth, facts, information. And so when people are experiencing financial anxiety, uh, there's often narratives that go along with it. And oftentimes it's not exclusively one or the other, but people usually have an income problem or a spending problem. You know, it's, or it could be a combination of both. Um, and some people think if I just made more money, I'd be fine. I think that might be true in some circumstances, but not usually. Uh, and so the question is, do you have a spending issue? And I don't know if you do or not, but I probably believe that the issue that you think you have is not the actual issue you have. I hear this all the time from people saying, I spend too much on restaurants, or I spend too much on shoes, or I shouldn't do this sort of thing. And I always return to them and say, 
how much is enough? You feel like you're spending too much. First of all, how much are you spending? I bet you, you don't know. I have seen time and time again where people are like, oh, I thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars on DoorDash. And then they look at their, you know, they look at their spending and it's, you know, half that or a quarter of that. And so people are operating under these beliefs that are not tied to their actual actions. So I say, first and foremost, you need to know what you're doing. You need to track your spending. I think the way that people get budgeting wrong is that they start from some predefined what I should do without taking a look at their unique personal circumstance. And so they're trying to do someone else's life and shockingly, it doesn't work out. And so when you track your expenses, you start with a baseline. You say, all right, this is what I do. And then you can look at it and say, is this in line with my values? Is this in line with what I want to be doing? Like, what is the, what does my authentic self say? Because our money is an opportunity for us to showcase our values. And if we like something and we want to do more of it, we should be doing more of it. If we don't like something and we're doing a lot of it, then that's something to be addressed. You know, spend your money where your values are. And you can't do that until you know what your current situation is. So you got to do that first before you make any decisions about adjusting your financial life, but you need to have that knowledge first. So I would say, I tell pretty much everyone that's the place to start is you need to know where your money is going so you can direct it to where you want it to go. Fear can be paralyzing. Sometimes the hardest part of taking control of your finances is just getting started. It was for me. But once I started, I realized it wasn't anywhere near as daunting as I'd imagined. I shared this with Mike, and he had a great analogy that might help you get started sooner than I did. And avoidance is a real thing. That is a problem, especially around financial wellness, and people do not want to deal with it. I always come back to the same analogy of monsters under the bed or monsters in the closet, where you're, you're a little kid and you're afraid and you just you don't want to look because you're sure that there's going to be something awful like a monster like how terrifying and then you get your parent or your sibling to come in and open the closet door and look under the bed and then there's no monsters there's never any monsters and that's true about people's financial life too you you said it perfectly you know you thought you had a zillion dollars some a monster basically is what you had. You had you thought you had a monster and you feared that. And then when you looked under the bed or in the closet, you realized it's not a monster. It's just a bunch of old clothes. We've all been through a financial crisis of one kind or another, but some of us, like yours truly, didn't learn the first time around. If I had, life would have been much easier much earlier. So I asked Mike how people can put at least an emotional plan in place for the next financial crisis. The best thing you can do is recognize that there's going to be another crisis. And it might be in two years, it might be in five, it might be in 10, but you know it's going to happen. And so knowing that, what are you going to do today to recognize that tomorrow could be a challenge? putting that in place. Now, I'm not talking about the economy is going to collapse and I'm certainly not talking about the zombie apocalypse or anything like that. I'm not worried about that. We'll have bigger problems if that happens. But we know from history that financial booms and busts occur. And so I want us to ride the booms, but be prepared for the busts. 
Now, this all makes sense to most of us logically, but a lot of us get caught up in the belief that we don't have enough money to change our financial futures, which significantly adds to financial anxiety. Mike had a great analogy for this. He said, think about the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon is just a river, just a river running through it. And, you know, it wasn't the worst, largest river in the world. But over time, you get the Grand Canyon. So small things over a long period of time can make a big difference. There's also the flip side of that where people get into the place where they feel afraid to spend anything. Uh, that and that's another and and you know frugality is in some ways kind of like a in some ways it can almost feel like a like a drug or an addiction or a compulsion just in the way that spending can that people feel like afraid to spend any money and I I think both can be a problem I think both to excess can be a problem I love spending money on certain things and I don't like spending money on other things and so I'm not in the business of telling people that they should spend as little as possible. I'm in the business of telling people how that they should spend as effectively as possible and based on the things that bring them joy and the things that are most meaningful. I mean, we all got to spend money on rent and that sort of thing. But beyond that, what are the things that bring you the most joy and how can you spend a lot of money on that and as little as possible on everything else? And I think threading that needle between not spending everything and not spending nothing is is a challenge and the benefits of that are are incredible. So you've got all this information, but you're still afraid to make a move. Wouldn't it be great if you could just make a phone call and tell someone else to deal with it? Of course. But the truth is, even if you pay them, no one else can fix it for you. But we can help you help yourself. Any meaningful behavioral change needs to come from the self. It needs to come from within you. And so I can provide little nuggets of guidance to say that if you want tomorrow to be different from today, you need to do the different thing today than you did yesterday. And I can provide all the Zen koans that people want. And at the end of the day, people need to be able to recognize the benefits. A great big sensible thank you to Mike Pumphrey, creator of EmpathicFinance.com, for all the great tips. Visit his website and get in touch with him for one-on-one -on -one coaching or to sign up for his online course, Take Control of Your Money Story. He also has a free course called Your 5-Day Money Reset, which allows you to retrain your brain to start looking at money in different ways. And if you just have questions or want to pick his brain, schedule a free call with him. Thanks for joining me today. Sensible Chat is going on hiatus for a while so we can revamp our programming. While we're away, I hope you'll go back and revisit all the episodes from the last three years. They're all available at sensiblechat.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to the Sensible Chat newsletter so you'll be the first to know when we start adding new episodes again. In the meantime, you can still connect with me on MeWe, LinkedIn, USA.life, or Gab. And as always, if you need help creating a plan to reach your financial goals and a budget to help you get there, get in touch with me and let's chat. All my contact info is available at sensiblechat.com. Remember, a little change can add up to a lot of freedom. Do the math, live the life.